The Old Testament reading is recorded in Jeremiah chapter 17, beginning verse 5. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He will be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Here ends the Old Testament. The epistle reading is recorded in Romans chapter 5, beginning the first verse, where the apostle invites us to trust in God's fatherly care, even in difficult times, that our faith may grow. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were all still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Here ends the epistle. We stand in honor of the Holy Gospel. The words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, 
O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Here ends the Holy Gospel. Okay. All the little people can come up front. Hannah, too. Someday your, da- your baby brother will. He can't walk yet. Have your parents ever said to you, Oh, don't worry. Grandparents ever said to you, Oh, don't worry. Has anybody ever said that to you? Do you guys worry? I'm not getting much response here. I better go to the big people. Do you big people ever worry? Yes. About all sorts of things. We worry because we think we're in charge, but we are not at all. Jesus gives two reasons why you're not supposed to worry about anything. God, your heavenly Father, takes care of birds, which weren't cute in Jesus' day. They would come and steal your food. They'd go into the barn and pull it out when you wanted to have it for wintertime. They were thieves. Yet he says, God the Father takes care of birds. Or the flowers or lilies of the field weren't really flowers. They were weeds. Useless, ugly weeds. Hard to pull up. And yet he said, when the sun would shine and the rain would come, those weeds would sprout beautiful flowers, even prettier than Jesse stand up. Oh, all the way. And turn slowly. See? Like the flowers, beautiful flowers, like Jesse's dress. How's that? Now that I've embarrassed you. So, oh, do your parents kill weeds in your... Yes, they do. So, what does this mean? God takes care of all of creation even birds and weeds. And does, uh-oh, does God take care of big old snakes? Yes. What if he was a rattlesnake like this one? Does God take care of rattlesnakes? Yes. No. How about a sea otter? God takes care of sea otters. I'm not sure what this guy is exactly, but he's kind of furry and I'm not sure. I have to get rid of him. Does God take care of skunks? Yes. No. How about an aardvark? Anteater, aardvark. Does God take care of aardvarks? 
Yes. And now my favorite one, and he's not real, but if he was, I wouldn't handle him. How about this ugly old bug? No, he isn't real. Does God take care of ugly bugs that might bite you? Yes. A centipede. A stinging centipede. So, if you say that God takes care of everything, even some ugly things, will God take care of you? Yes. That's why Jesus says, don't worry. Your heavenly Father will watch out for you because of his love for you. Where does he prove his love perfectly? St. Paul said he displays it or shows it for all to see when he gave his son up the cross, which is where he takes away our sins. So we have nothing to worry about. God watches us through this life, and even as we face the end of life, Jesus suffered, died, and rose again. So even death is nothing you have to be afraid of. God takes care of you. Okay, now you can all go back, but I keep my little critters. <laughs> Sanctify them by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. I know that having said these things on a simple level, it probably works for them. But when you get big enough to be smart, like us, big people, we can hear those same things and go, yeah, but. I know life isn't always that way. If you were listening to the baptismal rite, Jesus talked about that no one enters the kingdom of heaven unless they become like little children. What's he worrying about? Nothing. See? Everybody holds me, takes care of me, kisses me, feeds me, change my diapers. What's little Benjamin got to worry about? Oh, there he is. I was going to say, wrong child. <laughs> Well, rest assured, God knows who his children are, even a pastor can't quite tell. Be like little children means to have a simple, childlike faith in God's care. That faith is not something that you can gain by yourself. You can't decide that I'm going to be childlike in my faith. Because that kind of faith is by human intention. That kind of faith will always fail you. But as Martin Luther reminds us, and since we're in the 500th year of his Reformation, real Christian faith is a miracle wrought by the Holy Spirit, beginning in baptism. This faith is not earthly, it is a miraculous thing. It leads us to trust in God our Father's care, not only in physical things, but also in the greatest danger, which is sin and judgment. Now, my text is actually not the gospel, although it could be. 
Instead, I'm going to look at Jeremiah chapter 17. God's people for centuries had been told, follow me, trust me, I'll take care of you. He did that for 40 years in the wilderness, and those who trusted in God's care, he brought through this terrible land of snakes and hunger and poison and death. Those who didn't believe God, who didn't follow, it says their bodies were strewn in the desert. When Israel had faith in God's gracious fatherly care, they went through the worst of times. Jeremiah, however, lives among a people who have basically let that faith in God go. Little Judah had become very snotty and arrogant. They had learned how to take care of themselves. They had become tough and self-reliant, not recognizing that God had been protecting that puny little nation all along. They thought it because they were smart and they had a good military. This was not why they had been protected all this time. What they deserved from God was nothing but judgment, but for so long he had been gracious and protected them. But they were totally blind to it, and they thought it all had to do with human power and ability. Jeremiah begins in a very rough way. Ko Amar Yahweh, thus says the Lord. It's a declaration. When God speaks this way, either you pay attention and live, or if you decide to not pay attention, you will die. Thus says the Lord. The first word is not very nice. Cursed. Not merely the term katara, which means damned, cursed, push aside, object of God's anger, but epikatara. This is like if you're in a battle, generally the enemy is shooting at you, but this word is referring to the fact they suddenly decide to shoot only at you. This is a very personal, pointed kind of condemnation. Who gets it? Now, don't start looking at the next person around you or say somebody else. This is pointed at every single one of us. Cursed is the, literally the strong, vibrant young man, the one that can handle himself, who's tough. Cursed is the strong, vibrant young man who trusts in man. The term here for man is the word Adam. When God made Adam... He took him from the useless, worthless dust, so useless, in fact, that if you put water on it, it still wouldn't produce anything. It's useless and sterile. That the first man was called Adam tells you where he was taken from. He was taken from the useless, worthless, sterile, dry dust. Only good to be blown around in a whirlwind. Jeremiah is saying that when you see troubles on the horizon, don't you dare once to start trust in human agencies or individuals or technology 
or anything that you can do. There is no salvation in dirt man. We have come to a point in our civilization where we think that man can handle everything. We can have technology, we can have politics, we have science, we have all these wonders around us, but that cannot save us. The one who trusts in dirt man, who makes flesh his strength. The word for flesh is referring to a carcass. We don't use that term much around here, but back home in Iowa, they always talked about carcass, grade, and yield. That meant you brought the hogs and the other animals in, and you cut them to pieces, and what you ended up with was a big hunk of meat hooking on, standing on a hook. Jeremiah is saying, the strongest of men are nothing more than an animal that's been butchered and is hanging there dripping blood, dead, useless. But worse, whose heart continues to be turning away from God. It's not as though you see you can trust in God to a certain extent and then trust in man and technology, etc., and the other. It's not as though you mix them. It ultimately is either one or the other. Those who turn their heart away from God are like Cain. Remember Cain who murdered his brother because things weren't going well for him? He said, someone's going to find me and die and kill me. Remember that whole thing? And God said, no, not so. I'm going to put a mark on you that anyone who sees you will not kill you. Cain didn't believe it, and literally he turned his back or his backside on God. Not that you literally can do that because God is present everywhere, but the phrase means you're totally dissing God. I don't need you, so get behind me. I'm in charge. If you turn your back on God and think you can take care of things, if you turn your back on God because you think that He hasn't been fair to you and He hasn't done for you what you want, watch out, says Jeremiah. You're under God's very particular curse and condemnation. It all comes from any lack of faith in God's care. He further says He's like an old dried up bush in the wasteland that even if goodness comes or prosperity, he wouldn't even recognize it. He'll continue to live in land that is completely stone dry, parched. And the only thing you find is land that's full of salt and death. Jeremiah's not saying don't worry, he's saying don't you dare trust in human powers or yourself or your condition will be even worse. That's the law statement, as Luther would say. The second half of this sounds an awful lot like Psalm 1, doesn't it? It showed up in the little reading, the intervening text for today. The hallelujah is from Psalm 1. Blessedness is the one who has faith in God. 
Blessed. Baruch. That means graciously. That you don't deserve a single thing at all. But blessed is the one who continues to trust in the Lord. Who has confidence. That means for the future. That's residing in him. He gives the picture of life which in the ancient world was very significant. Here in Michigan, it's not. In Michigan, if you let a piece of land grow, go, the trees will just automatically grow up. Where I grew up in Iowa, trees don't automatically grow. In fact, they die and nothing becomes of it. For a further commentary, see Mr. Fonku, who grew up in western Iowa. Wave your hand, Daryl. Arbor Day was very significant. If you wanted trees back home in Iowa, they wouldn't happen by nature. You had to go out and plant them. Specifically plant them. Here, that's the picture of us. God plants us by, it says literally, waters that run all the time. Again, we're used to streams that happen year-round, but in the ancient world, they only ran just a couple of months during the year. Otherwise, they were dry. If you go out west to Arizona, you can find those things. I couldn't figure out why when I took a train trip that they'd have a bridge over nothing. It was just a low spot. But someone said, oh, you wait if it rains. That'll be really full and wash your car away. But Jeremiah is saying we're like a tree that was specifically planted by God in places that will always have a source of water. The roots will be by an irrigation ditch. You may worry or wonder sometimes why God has put you where he has put you. Why you have that kind of wife, that kind of husband, those kind of kids, those kind of relatives. Why am I living among neighbors that are kind of uh, not sure all the time? Why am I at this place of employment where I wish I could go somewhere else? Why am I always worrying about stuff? You forget that God planted you where you are. And he will take care of you where you are. And because of that, he says, this kind of person has no fear when the heat comes. In fact, the leaves always stay green. There's no worries even in an entire year of drought. And on top of that, he says, this kind of person will continue to bear fruit. Jeremiah here is inviting us in all of our worries and concerns not to look to ourselves, not to look to the world around us for human solutions, but alone to God who displays his love and care in the giving of his son, Jesus Christ. It is there, just like Hannah being picked up by daddy, that we feel safe and secure. And is Benjamin still awake? But he's secure because of why? He is being held. And everything is fine. Our Lord would say, have the faith that Jeremiah speaks of, but also that simple, childlike, infant faith. For then comes peace. Amen.
And the peace of God that passes understanding will keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.